You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. You can grab your seats. We're obviously living in a time where there's all sorts of change going on right now, whether that is politically, whether it's emotionally, whether it's financially, whether it's globally. There is so much stuff. You have to open up your news app every day and realize that there are so many different things happening in our world. We're living in a fast-changing world. Two prime ministers in a week is maybe good news for some of you who only change your socks when we change our prime minister. And so you're smelling quite fresh at the moment because you've had multiple opportunities over the last couple of weeks and months to do that. But in a changing world, world, a world where opinions and preferences are high and and something that is stable can be got here one minute and gone the next. In a world that we live in like that, it's so important that we build our lives, that we know how to build our lives on something that is unchanging and something that is unshakable. That everything else around us might fade or fail or be high and low from one week to the next, but something that is greater than all of the current styles and opinions and media hype and pop culture and opinions and news results and everything else is the Word of God. That we can come and say, this is something that is unchanging my life. James chapter 1 verse 17 says it this way. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for a God that is unchanging. I'm thankful that Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thankful that Psalm 100 tells us that God is faithful throughout all generations. Anybody thankful that we have an unchanging God this morning? And so it's important, therefore, that I want to bring us a word from from Scripture this morning that can help us to navigate some of those times where it feels like we're living in a changing world. Something from the Word of God that that can help us. What do we do when things feel unstable? What do we do when we're having those kind of whirlwind moments of emotions or or, uh, uh, feelings or situations and circumstances? How can we navigate those times? So I want to get into the Word this morning to, to help give us some foundation for that, help give us some guidance system, if you like, from the Word of God to navigate those things. Now, I understand that, that in Yorkshire, we're built different. So I know that for many of you this morning, not once have you ever suffered any kind of worry, fear, doubt, anxious moment. I know that for most of you, you, you've never worried, you've never had any sign of struggle with any inferiority or any insecurity or inadequacy. You just kind of float around on a cloud of confidence, wondering who are these plebs underneath you that seem to suffer with the worries of this world. I know that you attain to a higher standard this morning, but perhaps for me and the one or two others who are maybe not so secure in every one of those moments, then I think we can get into the Word of God to help us find something firm for us to build our lives upon, something to help us navigate in those moments. And so go with me in Bibles to the New Testament, to the book of Philippians, and we're going to ground ourselves in just a few verses from Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord 
is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, whenever we open up the Word of God, in fact, whenever you open up uh, any book or whenever you open up yourself to any source of, of input, if you like, it's important that we consider the source. Before you take something into your life, because we hear lots of things, but not everything we kind of take on board, right? And, and, and that's good. We should consider the source of where something is coming from, or whether this is trustworthy, whether this is worthwhile investment for me to take into my life. And we know the passage here is written from the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing to the early church in Philippi. And when Paul writes to the church, and when he writes to us as the church, he's writing to disciples like you and I are today. When Paul writes, he knows what it means to go through a tough time or two. Paul knows what it, what it means to go through some struggles for the sake of the gospel and yet stay faithful and yet stay close to God. So it's important for us to consider the source because I don't know about you, but I struggle to take advice from somebody who doesn't have any experience. I struggle with that. Now, lots of people try to give you advice. You've all got plenty of people in your friends, in your family, or on your online community who will offer you all sorts of advice. And I would hasten to add, not all of that you should take on board. I only want to receive advice from somebody who has got some experience and has got some wisdom to, to add to my life. I'm not going to, you don't take driving lessons from somebody who knows a thing or two about driving, but has never sat behind a wheel. Somebody who has watched every Top Gear episode and have watched every other episode and they've studied all of the manuals, but if they have not sat behind the wheel of the car, they've got no voice into my life. I don't want to take, um, let's think, driving advice. I don't want to take travel tips. Who takes travel tips from their friend down the road in Skeeby who's never left North Yorkshire in their entire life, yet they've got all sorts of things to say to you about which Greek island you should or should not go on holiday to next year. You don't take your parenting tips from Janet on Facebook. Janet's 55 years old. She's never been married, never had any kids, but she does have 17 cats that she calls her children. And Janet has a thing or two to say to you about how you should raise your children. I would suggest, God bless Janet, but that's not advice that we need to take on board. When we've considered the source, we've thought, no, that's, I, I hear you, but I don't receive you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so when it comes to, to taking those things into our life, if I'm going through a hard time, if I'm going through a moment where I'm facing some stuff that I thought, I didn't think I would struggle this way. I didn't think all these things would be against me when I, when I was trying to live a life of sacrifice like Pete's been talking about for the kingdom of God. I didn't think I would struggle. I didn't think I would suffer. I didn't think things would be hard. Well, when I'm going through those tough moments, I want to learn from someone who's not just got experience, but also got wisdom. Because just because someone's got experience about a hard time doesn't mean they've got any wisdom. They could just be keeping making stupid mistakes in their life. But somebody who's got experience and wisdom and is still on track to do something for the kingdom of God, that's something that can speak into our life. So when we look here at the writing of the Apostle Paul, we learn that Paul knew a thing or two 
about going through hard times. We haven't got time to get into the scripture this morning, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives a little bit of a highlight reel of all the lowlights of his ministry. Often the difficult parts that he had been through for the sake of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that Paul was imprisoned. He was flogged. He was stoned. Five times he was whipped and beaten with rods. Three times he was shipwrecked and almost died at sea, all for the sake of preaching the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. In fact, all of that aside, this whole letter that we read here in Philippians, the whole thing is written from Paul in a prison cell where he's been incarcerated for preaching the gospel. And in the middle of all of that, in all that Paul has faced and all that Paul is currently facing, in verse 4 he writes this, from a place of restriction in prison, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now this is really good news for us. Really good revelation for us to take in into our life. Not only have we considered the source and realized it's coming from a good place. Paul knows a thing or two about what he's talking about. But it's really good news because Paul doesn't say rejoice when you've got a really healthy bank balance. He doesn't say rejoice when all of your relationships are absolutely on a perfect level. There's no ups, no downs. Everything's just going absolutely swell. He doesn't say rejoice when you finally made it 10 days in a row without a worry, a fear, or an anxious thought. Like you've got some sort of loyalty card that you can stamp. Survived another day without a fearful. And once you get to 10, then you have earned the right to rejoice. He doesn't say any of these things. Paul tells us that we can find joy through our faith in God. That it doesn't matter about the circumstance or the situation that we find ourselves in the time. He says you can still rejoice in the Lord always. That those outside things that are going on in your life do not have to affect the internal joy that we can find in God. That's great news for us, right? Because I don't know about you, but I've had a day or two that haven't been as I planned it to be. Uh, I've had one of those moments, a bit like Pete. In fact, I was also stuck many years ago as a youth pastor with a broken down minibus on the side of the A66 with young people from this church. We've all had perhaps not those specific moments because that's really odd if we've all had two is, is enough of a coincidence. But you've all had days, you've all had seasons where things are not going as planned. And so it's really good news for us to know that we can rejoice always. That even in the prison cell, Paul is saying there is something for you to understand here. There is something for us to find. Because what you have in God is enough in every season. What you have through your relationship with God is enough to bring joy, is enough to bring peace, is enough to bring strength in every season. That actually we don't have to wait till all our ducks are in a row, till all our bank balances are perfect and all our relationships are easy to, to be able to find that joy. What we have in God is enough in every season. But here's what that doesn't mean, right? It doesn't mean that, that not every moment will be happy. Because even if we were going through a moment that isn't happy, Paul is saying you can still know joy. Not every, not every moment will be a praiseworthy moment. Maybe even today, maybe this week, you've had some moments and you could say, well, I can't say that I praise God for this moment because right now, this is hard. Right now, this is pressured. Right now, this is stressful. So not every moment will be a, will be a moment that is worthy of praise, but that doesn't mean that God is not worthy of praise, even in the midst of that moment, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's an unchanging, all-faithful God. So he's worthy of our praise in every point, even in the pressure, even in the problems, God is worthy of our praise. 
And so it doesn't have to take away from that. There was a point earlier in this week, I opened up my, my banking app. I looked at the line at the bottom. And do you know what it wasn't? It wasn't good, pleasing, and perfect when I looked at it. Maybe you've had those moments. You go, oh, now where is God? I've been forsaken. He has left me. Look at this bottom line. Look what's happened here. But maybe you were just at Costa one too many times. Maybe you, when you went into the, uh, the Thomas the Baker's, and well, I have one cheese straw. Well, it's, it's 10 for whatever the price. I might as well get 10. Maybe there's some unwise choices that we've made. But maybe you've had those moments where it feels like, okay, right now I'm in lack. But just go, because we go through a moment or a time of lack doesn't mean that God's left us. Doesn't mean that we've been forgotten. Doesn't mean that we've been forsaken. David learned this in Psalm 23. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He was making that a declaration. He was, he was making that a foundation in his life. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I lack nothing. That when we truly know that the Lord is our shepherd, that we've placed ourselves under the lordship of Christ, that we've recognized ourselves, like Pete was talking about a few weeks ago, what it means to be a sheep, that sometimes we wander, sometimes we don't make the wisest decisions, sometimes we make some mistakes along the way. But when we truly have had a revelation that the Lord is our shepherd, then we can know, I lack nothing. doesn't mean that we don't go through moments of lack, but even in those moments, we're still lacking nothing. Because in the things that matter... In the security of the eternal purposes of God, I lack nothing. Now, when Paul writes this to the church, and he tells them, even from a prison cell, rejoice in the Lord always, what he's not teaching them, what he's not encouraging them, is to live with a kind of fake happiness. That if you're in God, just pretend everything is fine. That if you are in a relationship with Jesus, I know you'll go through some struggles, but don't tell anybody else. Just pretend to everyone else that it's perfect being a Christian. It's easy being a Christian. Remember, he's writing this from a prison cell. And everybody knows he's in a prison cell for the sake of the gospel. So what Paul is not encouraging us is to live with a kind of fake happiness. Just pretend that you're fine. Just put on a happy face. Just smile and wave. And nobody will know that anything has gone wrong. This is about something much more than a smile. This is something far deeper that Paul is trying to communicate to us in this moment. It's more than a uh, smile. Because he's not telling them what to feel. And nobody can tell you what to feel. And and we we recognize and we can own our own emotions. and, and, And nobody can take that away from us. But Paul says, I'm not telling you what to feel. I'm telling you where to find your joy. Because if somebody tries to tell you, you oh, it's just, if you had one of those moments where you're just going through everything and hard and there, I'm sure it'll get better. And you're like, thanks very much. Or it's not that bad. And you're like, this is not helping me right now. I'm freaking out with everything I'm feeling. Oh, it's no problem. Don't worry. I'm like, okay, I don't need that. But Paul is saying, okay, I, I know you might feel some worry. I know you might be going through some stresses. I know the lack that you're facing in in finance or health or whatever it might be that's going on in your life. I know that might be a reality for you right now, but you can still find joy even in the middle of those moments. That's the revelation that Paul is bringing us. Not what to feel, but where to find our joy. Because when we understand that, you know, we live in a time where they talk about that it's mental health crisis, it's this and it's that. But mental health is about far more than just feelings and emotions, Because our feelings will always be a false compass for our life. If we live based on how we feel, then we're in for a crazy ride. But actually, mental health is about far more than just emotions and feelings. And this is what Paul is trying to reveal to us here. This isn't just about what you feel, but where to go in those moments to find joy. 
Where to go in those moments to find the thing that you were looking for. That's why he says, rejoice in the Lord. So it's not just telling us what to do, but where to go. Because it's not helpful if somebody just says, just rejoice. Just rejoice and it'll be fine. Just rejoice because you don't know how to find joy in that moment. When you're surrounded and it feels like the pressures of whatever situations are kind of weighing on you, just being told to rejoice isn't helpful. But Paul gives us a, not just a, a kind of destination. He gives us the journey to get there. Rejoice in the Lord. That's significant. Rejoice in the Lord. The, what we need to be able to live with joy is found through the presence of God. It's found in God because it's in God that we find joy. In God, we find strength. In God, we find peace. We find security. In God, we find forgiveness. We find freedom. We find the fullness of life, the abundant life that Jesus promised for us in John chapter 10, verse 10. All of those things are not found in other sources. They are found in God. Rejoice in the Lord. So, of course... We struggle to find joy when we look for it in places that are not the presence of God. And maybe that's what you've experienced. You felt, I, I, I'm looking for this joy. I'm looking for these answers. I'm looking for this strength. I'm looking for this stability. I'm looking for whatever it might be. And of course, we struggle to find it when we're looking in places where it's not designed to be found. We look for it in, in jobs, we look for it in relationships, we look for it in bank balances, we look for it in, in career, uh, career kind of climbing up the ladder. Maybe if I just get this, then I'll find what I'm looking for. Well, of course, we struggle to find it when we're looking in all those places because it's found, the Bible says, and if we believe that this is true and this is a foundation for our life, it's found in God. And so, of course, we're going to struggle. Of course, you're going to come up short when you're looking for these things from any other source. In, in fact, maybe for, for some of us, that's where the struggle began. Because we had a wrong perspective of where happiness comes from. A wrong perspective of what joy is and where we can find it. That we thought, well, happiness, that will come through the right bank balance. Or, or stability, um, security, that's going to come when I'm in a relationship. When I've got a partner, when I've got a husband or a wife, then I'm going to find the security that I have been looking for. Self-worth, that's going to come when I get the right promotion or I get the right possession or I get the right person alongside me. Then all of my self-worth questions will be answered. But we're looking for the right things and we're searching around in places where they're not designed to be found. Of course, we'll struggle when we're trying to find joy in places that are not where the Bible tells us, because it says rejoice in the Lord. And so when we're looking in the wrong places, it'll feel like endlessly searching and always coming up short. And maybe you've had that moment where you felt like, I always thought once I got this house, I'd feel better about myself. I'd always thought that, that once I was married, or once I'd had kids, or once the kids had grown up and left home, then I'd get my peace back. I'd always felt that, I, that I'd found the security, the stability, when my bank balance was over that certain amount. I've always been under that amount, but when I had more than that in my savings, then I thought I'd be secure. And maybe you found those times where you think, I've been searching, but I've, I've still come up short, even though I thought I'd found what I was looking for. Think of it this way. Imagine for a moment... And this is a really random illustration. Think for a moment. You're desperate for a cheeseburger, right? Just close your eyes if you need to. Just receive that. Stomach's just starting to grumble for a moment. 
desperate for a cheeseburger. There's also, but you know that's what you need. It doesn't have to be high quality. It doesn't have to be like a five guys. You just settle for the 99p cheeseburger from McDonald's. But imagine you're searching. You're on the streets now. You're desperate for this cheeseburger. Where, where's it going to come from? But the only place that you're looking is Costa Coffee. You keep pounding on the counter at Costa. I need my cheeseburger. And they're like, would you like a latte, sir? You're like, no, cheeseburger is all I need right now. Would you like a pan of chocolate I can offer you? You're like, no, cheeseburger. Would you like a flat white with a cheeseburger syrup in? No, it just doesn't do the job. It's looking for something. Now, it's Costa will serve you something, right? You'll get some substance, but you won't get what you're looking for. And it's the same when we're, when, we're, when we're fixed on finding things from a job or from a relationship or from a bank balance or from children or whatever it might be. You'll get something. You'll get some security from a, from a job. You'll get some satisfaction from climbing the corporate ladder. You'll get some stability from having the right amount of money, whatever that is for you, in the bank. You'll find some security by having a significant other in your life. There's nothing wrong with those things, but they will never give you the fullness of what you were looking for because it is only found in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. This is so important for us, and I think that's why Paul brings so much emphasis in this passage. In my Bible, in the NIV, at the top of this section, it says final exhortations. This is the final chapter. It's the final closing remarks that Paul is bringing in his letter, and so final exhortations is final urgent things that I have to leave you with. There's all sorts of great stuff in the book of Philippians, but Paul says, okay, never mind all of that. If you get nothing, these are some things that are really key for you to hold on to. I really want you to get this. Not only is it his final exhortation, but he doubles up on it. You can imagine Paul writing there in his prison cell. He's like, this is really important. Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's really good. It's really good. But Maybe they're just not getting it. He's got this prophetic view of us in North Yorkshire in 2022. He's like, then just not getting it. What can I do? Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. There's like this doubling up of Paul's emphasis for us of how important this is. Not only that, but if you study the book of Philippians, this is at least the 12th time that Paul, in some context, has talked about joy. Now, obviously, when Paul wrote his letter, it wasn't broken into chapters over the, over the generations. The Bible is translated into English. They've broken it up into the chapters that we read. But even in our Bibles, the start of every chapter in Philippians says something about joy within the first three or four verses of every chapter of Philippians. So Paul is desperate for you and I to discover the importance of where we find our joy. Paul was desperate for the church, whether it's the church in the first century, whether it's the church in North Yorkshire in the 21st century. He's desperate for us to understand the significance of finding our joy in God. See, to rejoice in the Lord means knowing, not just in your head, but having a revelation in your spirit, knowing God is with me. Now, majority of you in the room will know that this morning because it's Christianity 101 that we can come into a relationship with God so God comes and lives inside of us that we are in Christ that we are in a relationship with God we know that many of us many many years that we're not alone that we don't have to struggle in our own strength that we don't just have to wrestle with our own weaknesses that we know that God is with us in every time in every season we know that to be true but sometimes we lose sight of the significance of that because it's it's basic. It's easy. Everybody knows it, and yet sometimes we don't live with the revelation of it. Even though you know it in your mind, you're not operating that way in how you conduct yourself on a daily basis, knowing that the King of Kings, 
the Lord of Lords, the name that is above all names, the God that, who flung the stars into space knows the depths of the ocean and the tops of the mountains, not only knows you, but he's with you. How important is that? When we, you study back into the, the original language that was written in and you see some of the, the references to, to this word rejoice, in the Lord, we understand some of the context written in the original Greek comes from the same word, the same phrase that the angel said to Mary. Now, we're not getting onto our Christmas program yet. Don't worry, those of you who are panicking about shopping and everything else. We'll forget Christmas exists just for a moment. But in a couple of months, it's months away, ages away, Christmas. Don't tell Gail that because Asher comes back before Christmas. So she's like, can't come soon enough. But when we get to Christmas, one of the verses that you know that we're going to look at is when the angel appears to Mary. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel says this to Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, what we know about Mary's life is it's about to be turned upside down. Mary is about to go through an amazing but the most chaotic few months of her life, being told that she is pregnant, not with a child that she conceived by her own merit or by anybody else's, but by God. Other people are about to have all sorts of opinions on what happened to Mary, and you say it's God, but we know where you were the other day, and all of these things are going to come about and be said about Mary. She's going to go through all of the physical changes, she's going to go through all of the, and her world's about to go into this chaos season. But just before that happens, the first word that the angel delivers to her says, okay, you might be about to go through chaos, but let me give you some confidence. Let me give you a revelation right now. The Lord is with you. That it doesn't matter what you feel. That it doesn't matter what you face. That it doesn't matter if your world is turned completely upside down. You think, how did I end up here? No, before anything else, God is with me. God is with me. Rejoice in the Lord. So when we truly have this revelation that God is with us, when we really know that, not just in our minds, but we, but we live with it in our spirits, then of course we can rejoice. Then of course we can take on board what Paul says, rejoice always. Of course we can do that, even in hard moments, because I might be going through this, but the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's with me. That he never leaves me nor forsakes me. That his Holy Spirit will be with me forever. Of course we can rejoice when we know that God is with us. But if we're honest, sometimes knowing that, that God is on our side means often our relationship with God boils down to telling him the stuff that we want him to do for us. If we're honest, we've all had those times. Where actually our relationship with God is not spending time saying, hey God, would you speak to me and, and thank you for who you are. Thank you for your, that you're with me, that you never leave me nor forsake me. So often our relationship with God, our prayer life has boiled down to, God, if you're there, here's a list of stuff I need you to do for me today. Now we know that prayer is important. In fact, Paul says this in his passage, right? In verse um, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we should pray. That's important. Prayer is an important part. Communication with God will help to uh, draw us closer to God. It will help to build our faith. It will help us to put ourselves into that in spiritual environment. We're saying, God, not my will be done, but yours. Prayer is something important, but also we should never lose the significance of this promise. That the Lord is with us. If we lose sight of that truth, if we become over familiar with how important that is, then we've lost sight of everything. Knowing 
that whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever happened to you, whatever mistakes you have made, God is with you. And when we live with that revelation, we can also live with this promise. Psalm 16, verse 11. In his presence is the fullness of joy. So if God is with us, we're always in God's presence. And if we acknowledge the revelation that God is with us, that we are in his presence, then we can know, the Bible says, the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy is way more than an emotion. It's more than a, a smile. The, the fullness of joy is greater than, than any happy feeling. This is more than a smile. This is about stability. That the fullness of joy found in God means that we can live with stability even in changing times. Even though our, our, the mountains may fall into the oceans, as the psalm tells us, even though everything else that we thought was going to be stable might have been shaken or failed in our life, but it means that when we are in God, there is a stability that can be found. There is a source of strength that we cannot find anywhere else. There is a firm foundation for us to build our lives upon, knowing that whatever happens, that we're not alone. That although we may face struggles, as Psalm 18 says, I will not be shaken. This joy, more than a smile, it's about a stability. And what Paul was trying to teach us here in Philippians is the same thing that Nehemiah had had a revelation of back in the Old Testament. We haven't got time to get into the whole story of Nehemiah, but in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he had this revelation. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So to rejoice in the Lord always means to find your strength in God. To rejoice in the Lord always means that we can also find not just our joy, but verse 7 tells us we can find our peace in God. Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends understanding. So it goes beyond what you can fathom in your mind. Because sometimes you'll go through such a pressured moment, such a problematic season, be like, how could I possibly have peace right now? It's impossible to find peace. Well, yeah, it's impossible to find peace if you're trying to find a worldly peace. Peace that's found in a job or a bank balance or a relationship. But the peace that comes from God, the Bible says, transcends understanding. It's bigger than you can wrap your heads around. That you can be going through the most difficult moment of your life and still know peace. That is completely opposite to the world that we live in. Who would say, of course you can't have peace right now. Your marriage is falling apart. Of course you can't have peace right now. Have you seen what your overdraft is like? Of course you can't have peace. Don't you know that, that everything got taken away from you, this, that, and the other. But there is a peace that comes from God, the Bible says, that transcends understanding. The peace of God which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe right now you're finding it hard to handle some of the stuff that's, that's going on. Maybe you are in a, in a turbulent time in health and finances and relationships and finding it hard to kind of handle all of that. Maybe for some of you I have this image of like a, a juggler, but not one of those jugger, jugglers that's like effortless, that feels like, wow, it doesn't feel like this is, you know, and, but you, you've seen jugglers that struggle and jugglers that drop balls all of the time. And maybe it feels like for some of you I had that image that feels like you're juggling. If I can just keep this going, I'll, I'll, I'll be all right. But there goes another ball. But if I can just keep this going, I'm sure I'll be fine. But there goes another over there. And maybe you're juggling way too many things at the moment and you're struggling to, to find that joy struggling to find that peace. 
The other thought I had is that for some of you, actually, you would say, I'm doing fine. I'm pretty good in myself. It's the drama that everybody else has got going on that is trying to get on the inside. I'm fine, but I keep getting presented by my friends and my family and by my wife. All of this stuff that's trying to get on, on the inside. And I'm actually all right, but I'm surrounded with people who are just filled with lives falling apart. And if we're not careful, it starts to affect us and, and our faith. But something that's amazing about the joy that is found in the Lord is that it's attached to the peace that comes from God. And perhaps in our basic understanding, we've kind of, we've separated the two. And we've thought, well, they're polar opposites, right? Joy and peace. Because if at basic level, we think joy is just putting a smile on your face and just everything's fine, everything's wonderful, then that's joy. And if peace, well, that's the opposite of that because everything's quiet and everything's tranquil and nothing is going on. But the Bible tells us that the joy of God and the peace of God are not disconnected. They're found through the same source. Because when we read the top and the bottom of this passage, just 4 and verse 7, Rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace that comes from the same source of our joy, this peace is a powerful peace. Not just a peace where everything's quiet and nothing's going on. This peace is powerful. I love what it says there, that the peace of God guards your hearts and your minds. So maybe right now, you know, actually, okay, this is who God says I am. I am, I am uh, set free, that I am chosen, I am accepted, that I am loved, I am a child of God. But there's some anxious thoughts that are trying to get in that tell you you're insecure, that tells you you're anxious, that tells you you're not good enough. Well, the peace of God stands guard on your mind and says, you've got no right coming in here. This is the territory of the peace of God. It's peace that is powerful. It's peace that stands guard on your heart. And so while you, are, you might be surrounded with all of the drama, all of the chaos of everybody else, that peace stands on the guard of your heart and says that I might be surrounded, but I've not been infiltrated. I might be surrounded by these things that are going on, but that is on the external. But what is on the internal is a peace that transcends all understanding. This joy that brings strength. This peace that brings protection, the Bible says, is only found in God. So therefore, the more we invite God into our lives, the more we become aware of his presence, the more of his peace that we'll find. The more we surrender ourselves to God and say, God, I'm sorry for trying to do things in my own strength. I realize I was, that job, that relationship, that, that, goal, that desire, that was because I was trying to do it in my own ability. God, would you forgive me and would you help me to find that in you? The more we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, the more we find this joy and peace. And, and for many of us in the room this morning, you've declared Jesus as a savior and you're thankful that he's your savior, that we are saved from eternity without God and undoubtedly he is our savior. But the Bible also says he can be our Lord. And it's quite different to acknowledge Jesus as Lord than as Savior. Because we're all thankful for a Savior because we were rescued. But when we recognize Jesus as Lord, it's lowering ourselves and saying, not my will be done, but yours. I recognize, God, that I'm coming under your authority, your control. I give up my control. That's one of my daily prayers. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. I let go of my plans and purposes for today and I surrender to your Lordship. The more we do that... The more we recognize that God is with us, the more of his joy 
and peace and strength and stability we will experience in our daily lives. Why don't we close our eyes this morning? When we stop searching for things outside of God and we seek more of his presence, we'll find a joy that doesn't run out, a peace that doesn't fade, and a stability in the midst of every storm. But it doesn't matter what I face, what I feel, I'm stable because God is with me. And right now, as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, maybe this morning you know that you're not in a relationship with God. Maybe you've never invited God into your life this morning, or maybe for some of you did it weeks, months, years ago, but you recognize this morning, I've been trying to take back control. I've been trying to do this in my ability. I've been trying to find joy in, in my own achievements or, or peace through my own pursuits. But this morning you say, God, I just want to open up myself afresh to you today. I want to surrender my life to your Lordship today. If that's you this morning, nobody else is looking apart from me and one other that I've asked to look. If you know that you want to invite God into your life this morning, take a moment and say, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. I want the life that only you can bring, the joy that only you can bring. Would you just raise your hand and hold it high? for a moment this morning. That's great. Over here. Anybody else this morning? Fantastic. Over here. Anybody else who says, God, I need you afresh in my life today. Just raise your hand and hold it high for a couple of seconds. Thank you, God. All right, let's stand this morning, church. As we stand, let's just stay in this, in this moment of worship. Let's close our eyes again. I want to give you a last scripture this morning. There's a verse many of you be familiar with, and we hold on to the first part of the, the verse because it's the promise from God, and we love a promise from God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power, so all the emphasis is on God. His divine power has given us, and we like to be given stuff. We like when we don't have to achieve it, when we get it for free. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Now, that's awesome. That is a promise that you can hold on to, but it gives us a, a little bit of a part to play. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. So therefore, the more you know God, the more you will experience of him. The more you seek his face, the more time you spend in his word, the more time you spend in prayer or in worship, not just telling God what you want him to do, but saying, God, make me the person that you need me to be. The more time that we spend seeking God, the more that we will experience this divine Power, power that couldn't be achieved through anything of our own ability, but that comes from him. Let's just take a moment right now, and however you're comfortable, let's spend a few moments saying, God, I want more of you. God, I desire more of you. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Holy Spirit, as we seek more of you, God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit means that we can have access to the throne room of God. And so we open ourselves now and say, God, we desire to know you more. We want to experience more of your lordship in our life. We want to surrender ourselves afresh to your authority in our lives. God, we want to know that peace, that joy, that strength, that security that only comes from you. Come on, let's just start to lift our voices and thank him. This thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.